How you doing, Rock Family? How you doing, Rock Family? Happy Sunday. Uh, we are going to have a great message. And yes, I am excited again. At early morning, all day long, all Sunday. Let's do this. Uh, I'm Isaac Fierce, Pastor of the Rock Church. Um, welcome to Church Sunday. Please hit the share button. We want to get this message out to everybody. And my prayer is that God is going to really challenge you today. Really challenge you today because we are about being, making a difference and expanding the kingdom of God. Hit that share button, and then we're going to get on our knees and pray. And again, every Sunday, and we get on our knees, we are telling God uh, he is in control, and we are not. Look to the person next to you in your kitchen, in your living room. Let's get on our knees and remind God this is a posture of humility before God. And let's get our hearts right, get our minds off our distractions for the day. Come on, get off the couch. Get off the couch, get out of your chair, get on your knees. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. And I know there's people in their houses wondering if I could see them. You can see them. So I pray that we would humble ourselves before you and challenge us. I know this is going to be a, this message is going to really challenge people. Uh, probably one of the most difficult ones. So I pray that you would Prepare their hearts for what you're going to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give someone a high five next to you. Give someone a high five. Get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. On the count of three, we're going to say word. One, two, three, say word. Turn to, turn to uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. One day I had uh, gone to juvenile hall juvenile jail here in San Diego, and I would go and visit either uh, rooms of guys or girls and, or individuals. And sometimes individuals would request me to come, and, uh, or sometimes the employees the, would request me to come see a guy or, or a girl, and they would, you know, set it up. And I went to see this uh, white supremacist. He was a teenager. I go in and see him, and we talk, and he's telling me about his father, and uh, his father was abusive and blah, 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 blah. And, and in the midst of the conversation, something snapped in him and he starts cursing at me, yelling at me, calling me the N-word and telling me to get the blank out, blah, 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 blah. And so I left. And as I was walking out, one of the staff said, we just lost one of our volunteers. Because I, I was obviously a volunteer, but I was coming there all the time. And he thought I wasn't going to come back, which I don't know. He, he don't know me. And then sure enough, I went back to see that same kid, request that same kid so we can finish our conversation. And that kid gave his life to the Lord. And the only reason I can do that is because I had a burden and have a burden for lost people. If you are going to be a difference maker and build the kingdom of God, you have to have a burden for lost people. I want to talk about a difference maker's burden. A burden, a burden for lost people is that your heart feels the pain of people who don't know Jesus. In other words, you can look past all the stuff that they do and say and all the things, the way they express that. You are focused on the pain of being distant from God and the reality of being distant from God. If you don't have the love of God, the comfort of God, the peace of God, you have the opposite. You have hate, frustration, anxiety. You have fear. 
God has not given you the spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. That's the spirit of God. But the spirit of the evil one is the spirit of discouragement and, and lost and being anxious and worrying about stuff that never happens oftentimes. And so when you have a burden for lost people, you can identify with that pain. And we've been talking about being a difference maker, that Jesus came, that he would bring heaven to earth through his disciples. That his disciples are not people who are learning information. They are being transformed into Christ's image. And through Christ's image, the kingdom of God on earth is expanded. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's through us. And so we are going to be a kingdom, a difference maker. We are going to allow Christ to use us to expand his kingdom. And that cannot happen if you do not have a burden for lost people. If this is all about you getting information and being blessed and having nice this, nice that, and so you can feel better than other people, that is not the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of man. That's just how people in the world think. I want to be better than you because I got more than you. The kingdom of God is opposite. It's not about taking, it's about giving. It's not about being served, it's about being, it's not about being served, it's about serving. And so if you are going to be a difference maker, you have to have a burden. In this story we're going to look at, it's a story that many people know. It's where this lady was caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus and Jesus does some tricky ministry. So as you're thinking about this story, here's three things I want you to think about. Number one. If you're a difference maker, how are you using your gifts to do ministry, to expand the kingdom of God? And you can't do that unless you have a burden for lost people because your ministry is partly going to be to people who don't know Christ. So question number one, if you're going to be a difference maker, how are you doing ministry, leveraging your gifts to do ministry? That's a question you have to answer if you want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. How are you doing ministry? Number two, how are you mentoring others so they can do ministry? We do that. One of the ways we do that is in our D groups. And you could get in one of our D groups or start a D group, which is a small group of five, ten people. I have a D group. There's ten of us, five couples total, me, my wife, and four other couples. We meet every week. And so I'm mentoring them in that group. So you need to get in a group or start a group. You can text the word groups to 52525, start a group. We will help you. If we're not helping you, we're failing you. This is what we are called to do by God, to help you be in a group. Not only be in a group, but, but grow in your faith. So you can do ministry, mentor others and be mentored. And then three, multiply. Ministry, mentor, multiply. Who are you multiplying? As I've told you before, the, guy, the guys in my group, the ladies in my group, I'll often ask them the day of our meeting, hey, can you lead it? I'm tired or I got something else to do or I just want you to lead it, okay, because they need to practice because one day they're going to do it on their own. I take them to, on trips with me when I say trips around San Diego where we minister in the community to show them here's how you minister. So as a difference maker, you're going to min do ministry yourself, you're going to mentor others, and then you're going to multiply, okay. But in order to do that effectively, you have to have a burden for lost people because when the kingdom expands, lost people get found. In other words, people repent. People ask Christ to be their savior. People's lives are transformed. That's, that's the kingdom expansion is transformed lives. It is defeating the works of the devil. So in this story, this woman, she's busted. She is caught in the act of adultery. They were watching her. That's another problem. But we're going to see Jesus 
do ministry, mentor others, and multiply in this area of the burden for lost people. Check this out. Let's read it. Here's it. Let's, let's read this. John chapter 8, it says, Everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. He's doing ministry. And then the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious, his enemies, they didn't like him. They had all this information, but they had no power. They brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in his midst, they brought her in, chucked her, threw her down and said, testing that they might have something. They said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses said in the law, commanded that such should be stoned. What do you say? And they said this, testing him that they might have something which to accuse him. <laughs> this is so cool. Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear them. And when he had, and they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And again, he stooped down on the ground. And then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the youngest. And Jesus was left alone by the, with the woman. So check this out. Check this out. A lot of times when people read this story, they, they talk about the woman. But I want you to pay attention that he's mentoring his disciples. The Pharisees are there too. They're watching. They may be too far gone to even want to learn anything. And then you got the crowd who he was already teaching. They're watching. So he's, he's mentoring all these people. The woman's over here. He's going to get her in a minute. But he's mentoring all these people. So he, they, he's first teaching, so he's doing his ministry. But he, they throw him down, throw the woman down, and then he starts his ministry. Number one in your notes. Like Jesus, we minister with a burden for loss by seeing them as God sees them. You know who, who was lost? The Pharisees were lost. The crowd, obviously the woman. But the Pharisees, they're the ones who uh, watched this woman commit adultery. I was um, talking to a young lady who is kind of drifted from God. And I was talking to her, we're doing some business together, and I was talking to her for like a half an hour. She's like, listen, um, I don't want to take up your time. I know you're busy. I said, look, this is what I'm busy doing. God brought you into my life through this business deal, and I want to help you understand who, who God is. And, 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 and I was explaining the gospel to her, and I said to her, when, and she was talking about how God sees her, and is he mad at her, and he's not happy with her. I said, God sees you as his little daughter. He wants to love you like his daughter. He wants to be involved in every area of your, every area of your life like his daughter. I was helping her see herself like God saw her because I saw her like God saw her. She thought God was mad at her. I said, no, God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's brokenhearted that you don't trust him. He's brokenhearted that you don't want to get to know him and that you're kind of distant from him and you're hesitating him to, to get to know him. But he loves you. You have to see people like God sees them. Look what it says in John chapter 8, verse 6. It says, they said that to him, testing him that they might have something to accuse him. And it says, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the ground. 
with his finger as though he didn't hear them. He's given them time. He's saying, look, I, wanna, I see that woman like God sees her. He wasn't even trying to entertain all that gossip. Number two, like Jesus, we need to nurture in others a burden for loss by making room for people to rethink their judgment. When they were like, Jesus, 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 this lady was thrown, she got caught in an act of adultery, and Jesus said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to rethink that. What we do is we help others rethink. You can help others rethink. When you have people coming to you trying to stir up gossip about somebody, you have an opportunity to say, let's rethink this. So when they continue to ask him, what do you do? They continue to ask Jesus, and it says, he raised himself up and he said, he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. And again, he stooped down and he wrote in the ground. What he did was, he said, I want you all to think about your own life. Think about your own life. He's mentoring them. He's not trying to defend her or, or say, you know, she's right or wrong. He's saying, what about you? What about you? If you want to have a burden for lost people, think about your own sin first. Think about how you messed up. Think about the areas in your life that aren't right. Think about how you are just like that person. The Bible says if you lust for a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. So if those guys were watching her do to do in the room, because they said they, were caught, they caught her in the act, so she was doing to do. Where's the guy that she was doing to do with? And how long did they watch her? What was going on in their mind while they were watching her? Certainly they had th thoughts in their mind about whatever they were watching. And so he's saying, hey, 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 I want you to rethink your own heart before you start convicting her. I want you, as you, as you right now, you who are listening right now, think about the last person that you were critical of, that you gossiped about. What about you? When have you done what you have accused them of? How is it that you can know what's in someone's head unless it's been in your head? <laughs> How could you know what someone's thinking and why someone did something unless you thought it or did it? And if we would focus on our own sin, and what Jesus was doing with his disciples, he said, listen, I'll take care of the woman later. I want to talk to you. I want to mentor you in your own purity before you start if you're going to minister effectively to lost people, you have to be in touch with your own lostness. Number three, Jesus said, like Jesus, we multiply. We multiply those with a burden for lost people by challenging them to express compassion. Are you challenging the people you're mentoring to express compassion to people. Listen, once you get people thinking about their own sin and you get people processing their own faults and you get people processing the fact that they're no better than the person they're criticizing, then they can think, you know what, maybe we're not so different. Maybe it's not I'm perfect and I'm up on my high horse and you're down there, so let me, let me just help you out. Pity looks down. Compassion 
gets down. It's ironic that Jesus got down, wrote in the ground. Don't know what he was writing. It'd be trippy if he was writing their names, but I, I don't know what he was writing. But what he said was in verse 8, 9, and 11 in chapter 8, he says, Then those who heard it were convicted. They were convicted by their conscience and went out one by one. In other words, they were like, man, I'm just like her. Man, I, I'm not better than her. Because they had stones. They were like, she's guilty, I'm not. She's wrong, I'm not. She's condemned, I'm not. And Jesus said, huh, maybe you are. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't excusing her, as we're going to see in a minute. But he was mentoring his own disciples and all the other crowd and all the people who were c- condemning her, he was mentoring them saying, listen, you need to look at your own heart before you con- condemn her. If you are going to be effective in the kingdom of God, you have to be in touch with your own sin and your own faults and your own shortcomings. So when you minister to someone else, you can relate to their pain. You can relate to the fact that people make mistakes. People mess up. People have bad days. And so the Bible says that Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus raised himself up, after everyone left, he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, remember, he said to her, he didn't say, go and keep doing what you're doing. He said, go and sin no more. Uh, first, what, what happened to all the people who, who were uh, condemning her? They weren't there. You know why? Because they had to rethink their own sin. Imagine if you were in touch with your own sin. You know who you would condemn? Nobody. Imagine if you were always reminded of how much you need God and how much you need God to purify your heart, renew your mind, change your thoughts, change your gossip. Imagine if that was your preoccupation and you weren't distracted with other things. You were focused on you being like the Father. The Bible says be perfect like your Father in heaven. Imagine if that was your preoccupation. You know who you would condemn? Nobody. Nobody. And when you heard other people condemning people, you wouldn't be in that crowd. You'd be like, I got enough sin in my own life. That's why she was there by herself. And then he says to her, go sin no more. He didn't even say anything to her. She knew she was wrong. He said, listen, I'm not going to condemn you either. Just go sin no more. Why? Because the goal is not to beat you down, to lift you up. So if you just don't sin no more and don't do that again, we're good. Imagine that. Now, you may be sitting there right now thinking God is mad at you. He don't like you. He's, he's got an attitude towards you. you never, he'll never accept you. That's not the God I know. Now, does he know everything you've done? Oh, yeah. Will he show it to you if you ask him? Oh, yeah. Will he forgive you if you repent? Oh, yeah. So in a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity to do just that. And by the way, there are some of you out there who never asked Christ to be your Savior. And there's a whole bunch of you out there that have. And you got sin in your life. you got gossip in your life. you got pornography in your life. you got drugs in your life. you got all kind of lying, cheating, stealing, and cursing in your life. And God says, you know, man, it breaks my heart you do it. And he wants to forgive you. Move on. Just like he told her, stop. Stop. Can you stop? Of course you can. There have been many things in your life that you, I used to do cocaine. I don't anymore. I used to smoke weed. I don't anymore. I used to curse. I don't anymore. So why can't I stop that and that and that? And yes, I got that, that, that's in my life too. And so in a minute we're going to pray and you're going to have this difference-making 
burden for your own sin. Dear God, I just want you to purify my heart. I want to be right. And I want you to speak to me when I'm straying and I'm saying stuff I shouldn't say, thinking stuff I shouldn't think, that I want to feel the pain of my own burden so I can feel the pain of them, their burden. So in a minute, I'm going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to surrender your life and come to God and say, God, I'm guilty. Will you forgive me? And guess what he's going to say? Yes, I will forgive you. And then he's going to say, sin no more. And then you go about your life the best you can, surrendering yourself to him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to listen very carefully and think about your life. Lord, thank you that you love us all. Thank you that you died for our sin and rose from the dead. Thank you that you did not come to condemn us, but to forgive us, transform us so we can make a difference. If you would like to confess your sin to Jesus, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I confess my sin to you. I admit that I'm a sinner and that the penalty of my sin is death. I believe Jesus loves me, that he died and rose for me, and I commit my life to him. Forgive me of my sin. Purify my heart. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God has forgiven you of all your sin. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. I want to encourage you to text SAVE to 52525. And we want to help follow up with you. There are many of you who have already been saved, but you had issues in your life, stuff in your life you needed God to cleanse you of. Please text groups to 52525 so we can get you in a group. We want to get all of you in a group. So you can grow in your faith and become a difference maker in the world. So you can do ministry, learn what your gifts are, and do ministry. Then you can mentor and be mentored. And number three, you can multiply yourself. God bless you. And we're going to continue this series next week. See you next week.